Dave Kane, the voice of the Virginia Cavaliers, the Wahoos, is on with us now. Hi, Dave. Thanks uh, for joining us. Gentlemen, good to be on with you. How are you doing today? We're doing fine. Uh, we talked about it uh, in the intro about Bronco Mendenhall and that coaching staff's reunion with uh, BYU coming up in, on October 30th. Before we get a preview as to the, the, the Wahoos and what's going on, how, what have you learned about Bronco Mendenhall and his time there in Virginia? What, what would you do you, how would you describe the man and what you've seen? He, he is, I guess, one word answer here on this one would be unique. I mean, he, he's just one of the more unique coaches you'll spend time with. And, you know, I, I have an affinity for that. I just think he does things differently. And he, it, both BYU and UVA are different types of schools. You know, and I think that fit is so important, obviously, for any coach. And would he work in a lot of places? Probably not. But I think he works at Virginia, and I think he works at BYU because he's cut from a different cloth, and these these schools do things a little bit differently. So, um, no, I, I think he's been great. I, you know, incredibly introspective as a person, has a lot more uh, that he's interested in beyond football, which I always kind of find uh, fun to work with somebody like that. But he's also got a mind for uh, leadership and, and, you know, very intelligent and very – I guess balanced in a lot of ways. So yeah, he's been fun to work with and, and, and fun to get to know. And you kind of one of those guys you get to know slowly over time too. So I feel like I know him a ton better, obviously now than I did when he first got here. Has he been granted license that uh, because Virginia hasn't always been a consistent winner? I'll put it that way. And he seems to have floated a few boats uh, since his arrival. Yeah, I mean, I think he's been able to do things pretty much how he's wanted to. I mean, I don't think he's seen too much in the way of obstruction here. And, you know, uh, I think, you know, of course, until last year, it's been that idea of unbroken growth since he's been here every year getting better. Last year was such a crazy season, obviously, for everybody. And, you know, I think one of the things that ever since he got here, first year he was here, I mean, look, it was a learning curve. I mean, I, I think he... He thought he knew what he was in for, but I don't think he really did until he put those guys out there and realize, you know, the culture of a program, it doesn't change quickly. <laughs> he had a bunch of guys that hadn't done a lot of winning, and they continued to struggle to win games that first year when they went 2-10. and 10. And then year after that, all of a sudden you find yourself 6-6 six and six in a bowl game. And then the year after that, you find yourself 8-5 and five in the belt bowl. You win that game 28 to nothing against an SEC team. And then the following year, you're in the Orange Bowl. So, I mean, the trajectory was outstanding. Last year, you go 5-5. Five and five. And I think, you know, you hate to make excuses because everybody was dealing with it. But one of the things Bronco really did last season was put an extreme premium on the safety piece. And he would tell you that maybe they didn't put as much emphasis on football as they probably should have early on. And, and Virginia came out of the gates one and four before they rallied late and, um, you know, had a, had a pretty strong ending with exception to the Virginia Tech game when they kind of stumbled again. But you know, it was just such a strange season. But it's it's been, you know, Broncos' way since he got here. And, and it's been, for the most part, a pretty pretty good result that Virginia fans have, have been able to enjoy. You used the phrase a strange season, and that was true for every program, uh, Virginia included. So as you look at that 5-5 five and five year, what good things happened that were real that will carry over into this season, do you think? Well, I think that you have a lot of guys through the battles and the wars that are going to be back. And, and I know that's not necessarily – I think for a lot of teams that's the case this year when you got that extra year of eligibility. But I think in particular in key positions, I think at quarterback, Virginia's isn't as spot as they've been at quarterback in a long, long time. And 
that goes not only for the starter, but for some of the backups and the guys that you have coming up the ranks. I think they're going to be in a pretty comfortable spot for some time. And Bryce Perkins was so dynamic as a quarterback for Virginia that Orange Bowl year and the year prior to that. But his heir apparent, Brennan Armstrong, is every bit as dangerous a quarterback. And in some ways, I think certainly with his arm, I think you could make the case he's more dangerous. Not not as much of a game breaker with his legs. I think Perkins is kind of those once in a lifetime guys that comes through that can, you know, break off an eighty yard run on any snap, and that that gives defensive coordinators nightmares. But Brennan's very mobile. I, you know, in some ways, you could maybe compare him to a Taysom Hill type. I, I don't know that he's quite as athletic as Taysom is, but he's got a good arm and he's got a good head on his shoulders, and, and really has that competitor's mentality. Kind of they they liken him to kind of like a cage fighter. So. He's got a year of seasoning under him. It was his first year as a starter last year. And then a good offensive line that's all back this year, too. So, I mean, you put those two things together, and I think it makes for um, a pretty high ceiling for that offense coming up this season. So, you know, we'll see. The defense also has a chance to recover. They had some terrible injuries in the secondary for the second year running. And because of that, the numbers were really bad. I mean, they, they surrendered the most passing yards of any team in the ACC last year per game, over 300 a game. And, and they know they've got to clean that up. And, and, and I think, you know, you got to have a little bit of lady luck uh, to, to, to get there. But that's going to be one of the big keys for Virginia this season. You know, as you're describing this team, why, you know, I know these preseason polls are oftentimes not accurate and whatnot, but weren't the Cavs uh, uh, suggested to be in the lower half of the league? Yeah, you know, the Coastal Division is such, I mean, I think by anyone who even tell, who votes on this thing would tell you, it has been such a crapshoot, and it, it really is. I think there's five teams that you could realistically make a claim to put in any order. Uh, it, it's just that wide open. I mean, it's been seven different winners of the division in seven years. I mean, you could even make the case, even though it wasn't divisions last year because of COVID, but you could even make the case, if you want to count Notre Dame as the team that represented against Clemson, it's kind of like the battling for the right to go against Clemson every year. Um, that they were an eighth team, you know, in eight years. So, uh, you know, it's just been so wild from that perspective that it's, I, I think you could make a good case for Miami, certainly North Carolina. Those are the two front runners right now, but Virginia Tech, Virginia and Pitt, I think you could put them all right there too. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, so it, it's not as easy as just saying this is the pecking order. Now with that said, I will say this, Virginia last year was picked to finish ninth in the conference. They finished ninth. The year before that, they were picked the Coastal Division, and they won the Coastal Division. So they've actually nailed Virginia the last two years. So I kind of hope that they're wrong this year. But, you know, it, it really has been kind of up for grabs, and, and I, I think it will be again this year. Dave, I want you to know that we've spared you today because Jake Scott, who normally sits across from me here, uh, is on vacation back in your part of the country today. But he's a huge Vatek fan. So we're, spa- oh, we're sparing you. you that, right, Austin? <laughs> That's right. I mean, that, there's, that, no, there's no telling what he might have said or asked you as as uh, as a Vautech. He, he lost a bet with us once, and he had to record that he is the newest Wahoo. Yeah, uh, that, that pained him. That, <laughs> you know what? I think I remember this a year ago. Somebody, I think I might have come on with trying to think. I feel like I've been on with you. So, someone across the country saying they had a Wahoo on there and they, they were, uh, it may have been an, or they, they had a, a Hokie on there and they were, and they were giving them grief. And I, I maybe it was another station, <laughs> but anyway, us, yeah. there's too many of them out there. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, and, I, yeah. and, and I appreciate you guys keeping Wahoos and then Hokies away from each other. That's always hmm. probably well advised. Dave, so, can you thank ex- you. Can you explain to our listeners? What is a Hokie? We, we don't even know. Do we? 
<laughs> it's it's a turkey. It's a turkey. a turkey. Let's just call it what it is. It's right. a, a hokey is, is a turkey, and every time you go in there, you you know we only play them in Thanksgiving. You know we play them every year in Thanksgiving, and you hear this gobbler call all game long, and I go home hearing the gobbler call in my head. All night long, but yeah, it's a turkey. Okay, well that fits. That fits nicely for Jake, at least. In <laughs> That's case. exactly right. Yeah, you what? said it, I didn't. What, so what? I'm not going to disagree. Dave, what do you think? Uh, what do you getting to know uh, Bronco the way you have, and of course we know him from all his years here. What do you think it's going to be like for him walking back into Lavelle Edwards Stadium and uh, facing his former team? I think it's going to be everything he doesn't want to do. He is <laughs> not wanted to play this game. I mean, let's just call it what it is. I mean, I, I, this is something he's not looking forward to. I, you know, I think he's one that more or less, you guys know him. He, he doesn't like to have a ton of emotion in the games and distractions in the games. And this is going to be a week that's ripe with distractions. I mean, for so many reasons and, and emotionally, I'm sure for him too, you know, I mean, this is, he, he's got bloodlines that run through BYU and he's obviously got the 11 years he spent there. And so does his staff. I mean, there's just, it's going to be really strange for those guys to, to come back after all these years and, and be back in that stadium going against that team. I know he's grateful for the fact that he's not going against uh, BYU any earlier than he is in his tenure here at UVA. I think initially we were supposed to go play you guys uh, even earlier, but I think they managed to get out of that. So he didn't want to go against guys that he'd recruited. And so he's not going to have to worry about that. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be uh, very strange. And like I say, I, I think if he had his brothers, Bronco would just assume not play this game. What can a, a BYU team that's uh, changing over things at quarterback, and we all think we, we think it's going to be Jaron Hall, but you never do know until those games come. But what can a BYU offense with a new quarterback expect going up against a defensive Virginia that was a little uh, underperforming last year? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be very, as I mentioned earlier, can you stay healthy? Because I, I think, you know, it's funny, two years ago, Virginia had an injury on the road at Miami. It was a game where Bryce Hall, who's now with the New York Jets, broke his ankle, I think it was. And anyway, he had a season-ending injury. And that secondary has never been the same since it, it opened a floodgate of injuries that just have really not stopped. And at the time, the defense was exceptional. It was the strongest part of this program. I mean, they were dominant and it, but you know, it's just, who do you have on the field? And, and I don't think the depth is quite where they'd like it to be. I think they feel like the drop off is fairly significant when you start losing guys, but they like their first tier guys a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I think that this team will be much better defensively than it was. It needs to be. And, you know, the other part is you, you get a guy like Aaron Falmui back on the defensive line who was not there last year due to COVID. He actually he opted out. You get a guy named Ben Smiley, another defensive lineman, who was played last year but was injured, got there late because he was originally going to opt out. And there was just some real kind of dysfunction there from that perspective, guys that weren't there. I think this group's got the potential to be pretty darn good on defense as well. Um, I don't know that it'll be the strength of the team. I think offense will be the strength of the team this year. I really do. But I think the defense still will be solid. I think they're, they have the potential to be really good. But, again, they do need Lady Luck to finally smile on them. You're almost, like, nervous to say you think they're going to be any good given what they've been through lately. You mentioned uh, the assistants, uh, Broncos assistants back there, uh, some of whom were at BYU. Uh, what, what has been your impression of those guys? 
it's a tight knit crew. I'll tell you that. I mean, you, you don't bring it. What was it? I think he brought seven or eight guys with him across the country who, who all uprooted their families and decided to move to Virginia, which is pretty neat. You know, in a lot of ways, I mean, that, that shows how much loyalty they have to, to Bronco. Um, but it, it's been, it's been neat to watch those guys operate. They're really an insular group. And, you know, these guys, uh, they, they, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this. I think one of the things that is unique about this program, and, and I know a lot of teams promote within, but Broncos really one who believes if, if he, he doesn't trust you, you're not going to fit in his system. And so many of these guys, whether they played at BYU or not, uh, a lot of them coach for him, you know, Garrett Tujay, Nick Howell, Kelly Papenga, um, you know, uh, obviously Robert and I, I mean, the list goes on and on. And now you're starting to see some Virginia guys at UVA starting to populate that staff as a few guys have left. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, I, I go mountain biking with a couple of them a lot. I, I ride with Nick Howell and, and Kelly Papinga. So, you know, I'm a Colorado guy originally, so we've kind of got some shared it's been fun getting to know these guys and, you know, seeing them operate together. They, they really are a family. I mean, you see it. And, and I, you know, have been lucky enough to be included in some of the things, but you know, they're, they're pretty insular. And then my last question for you, Dave is, and we appreciate you taking some time here. Can you name us a couple of players uh, that uh, folks out here can keep an eye on when Virginia shows up? Yeah, um, you know, aside from obviously everybody wants to know who the quarterback is, and I talked a little bit about Brennan Armstrong already, but, you know, this is a team that I think if you're looking at what this team is going to be about, it does start with a quarterback, but they've also got some good some guys behind them. But a guy by the name of Keaton Thompson is an interesting one to keep an eye on. Uh, he, he was a quarterback in Mississippi State, transferred in a year ago, had a shoulder injury, and has since kind of switched to more of like a slash type position, almost like a Taysom Hill type. Is is he's played some receiver? He'll line up in the backfield. Uh, big, powerful, athletic, fast runner. I mean, he's an interesting guy to watch. Um, and, and then you know the receiving core was expecting to have Lavelle Davis. They might by November. Who knows? But Lavelle Davis was a dynamic freshman receiver at about six feet five inches in height, who who was fantastic for this team. But Torres ACL in spring ball very early. And so with him out, all of a sudden, Dontavian Wicks, another receiver that Virginia expected to be a star a year ago, who's now a sophomore, but he missed all of last year with uh, an injury he suffered in camp, fall camp. So he kind of takes the place of Lavelle Davis, but he, he has the potential to be really good. And I'll tell you an X factor guy on offense too, is a transfer uh, from Oklahoma state, a tight end by the name of Jelani Woods, who's six seven, two sixty three, And he, he's a, he's a hoss and he's got hands. And I think he has the potential to be uh, a really uh, good player for Virginia and a guy who can really change things around. Uh, and that's all, of course, in addition to the front five. And then on the other side of the ball, some guys to, to think about, I think if you're trying to figure out what this group is about, Noah Taylor, a dynamic outside linebacker who has the ability to get to the quarterback, Joey Blunt, a safety who's been hurt throughout his career at times, but he, he's a tremendous player, too, who's a difference maker on that side. And then I mentioned Aaron Falmui, who I think can get after the quarterback and change things up a little bit on that defensive side of things. So those are a couple of the guys. But, you know, th- this is a group where it really is uh, across the board. It's not there's that one guy you key on, not drastically unlike those BYU teams where you just you've got a bunch of pretty darn good players. And, you know, that the sum of the, you know, the sum of the parts is the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, et cetera. You know, when you put it all together, it, it makes for a pretty good 
football team. I think this is going to be a good team this year. I really do. I think they've got a tough schedule, though. So we'll see what it looks like by November. You're going to North Carolina. You're going to Miami. You're going to BYU. You've got Notre Dame at home. Um, It's going to be a tough road to hoe. But the one thing I'll say, Cavaliers need to be a lot better on the road than they have been. That has been the true bugaboo of this program. Uh, including during the Bronco Mendenhall years. I mean, you're talking six and twenty on the road, seventeen and two over the last three years. So they need to write what's uh, been ailing them away from home, and I think that's one of the things they're really trying to address. Well, Dave, we might bother you again uh, come game week, that end, uh, that final week of October, if you wouldn't mind. It's been great having you on today. Yeah, absolutely. If you keep the hokey off the show, I am game. <laughs> we'll see what we can we'll, do. We'll gladly do that. <laughs> he might be in jail anyway, knowing him. We'll see. Yeah. All right, Dave. Be yeah, well. Be safe. Know. All right, guys. Thanks. Take care.